The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's happening, Chicago Bears fans? This is T-Formation Conversation. I'm your host, Lester Wilfong. I am joined today by, by a special guest, longtime friend of mine, Dave Scarborough, who is has coached for 20-plus years at both the high school and the youth level. He knows his X's and O's. He knows his scheme stuff. And, and there's been some recent stuff going on around Bears Twitter, around the Bears social media stuff, where, where there's just some, some topics I wanted to get him on and pick his brain about and kind of help educate me and educate the masses as well. So, Dave, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Luster. Thank you for having me on. That's all good, man. So, like I said, you coach for over 20 years, youth and high school, and you know, you're, you started way back when was you were part of Glenn Kozlowski's first high school coaching staff. That was at Wakanda, correct? Yes. And Coach you actually in North Chicago and what used to be the old Holy Cross is, uh, it was the school called Mother Guerin and they closed it down. Oh, it's gone now? Yeah, they closed it. Oh man. So you, you followed Kaz to three different spots. Yes. That's pretty good. And you've always worked in the offensive side of things, whether with quarterbacks, O-line, you know, running back. So you've coached. I've coached with Kaz, and our original system was the West Coast offense. And I learned a lot from him back in the days when Norm Chow was at USC. We got a lot of things from him. And, you know, not to not to name drop or brag or whatever, but, yeah, we've, we've seen a lot. I've I annually attend the Glazer clinics. Yeah. If anyone knows what those are, I try to stay current and I usually show up at those in the Chicago area. And I sometimes go down to St. Louis to that one. This is I'm not new for us. I mean, me, me, like, and stuff, but... like me and you talk football all the time. Yes. So like, you know, like when I first started my, my podcast, this is, I'm not even sure four five, six years ago when I was with V Sporto, I actually had you on that show a few times. Yeah, we just haven't had a chance to connect and do it on the new the new channel here. So that's why I wanted to get you on. And and the big reason is like we're talking about like some of the the mechanic stuff out there with quarterbacks. There's this meme going around where it kind of shows Twitter. Everyone's got an opinion. I love Justin Fields mechanics, right? I love that meme. You know, it's like I know just enough to be dangerous about certain topics, <laughs> but I wanted to bring you on because you've coached quarterbacks. You know, you've been to a bunch of co- uh, clinics with co- coaching quarterbacks. You know, I wanted to get your take on how some fans are so worried about the mechanics of Justin Fields. So 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the floor. And I know anyone that knows, you knows you're like a windup toy. I, I get you going. You're going to go. So I know. this give is me your the, time. Give me, the, give me that when you need me to stop, I'll give you this here. So basically I just want you to t- explain a little bit from a, from a coaching standpoint, mm-hmm. what is your take on people worrying about Justin Fields upper body with this throwing motion? What's your take on that? Okay, Lester. So, you know, me, and I'll go back to our conversations we've had privately a little bit. So you've already heard this, but I will give everyone else my spiel. I'm a big West Coast offense guy or was. I'm an air raid guy now is my offense I prefer. But I studied Bill Walsh because he was my coaching idol. And I was in that offense when I first started learning. And Bill Walsh, who I think is the greatest quarterback guru of all time, And that's just my opinion. But anyway, he always talks about, he always talked about, he never said anything about the quarterback arm slot or how they threw it. And I was listening actually to a clinic online that he had had recorded that a friend sent me. And you're, you're, a lot of people don't understand this about quarterbacks is your throwing power and your throwing accuracy all starts with your footwork. So the footwork is the is the biggest issue that a lot of quarterbacks have. And you have like your plant leg and what I call your drive leg. And you want to twist your hips or, or spin your hips to get the velocity on, on passes. So Bill Walsh used to say this thing about he does not care about a guy's arm slot. Once they've reached the NFL, the only thing you can really do is clean up their footwork to where – their post leg and their drive leg are aligned and their footwork is aligned to where they're throwing with accuracy and velocity. As long as your accuracy and velocity are good, your throwing motion, you can't really fix that. You know, and all, I've seen the thing where people have shown the video of his arm. Go, that's all BS. You know, whatever way he, he learned how to throw, he knows how to throw. He did not get any of the accolades. He did not have his success. With, with throwing inaccurately or without velocity. So to me, as long as his velocity and his accuracy are okay, which they have been, he's a very accurate quarterback. He threw, I believe, for over 65% at Ohio State. He was very accurate last year when we saw. I did not see, put an example, Mitchell Trubisky, not bring up Ghost of the Pass, but when you watch Mitch Trubisky, his ball, the ball would sail on him. It would eat worms, as I always say. He would throw it into the dirt. It's because his foot, his footwork, and Lester, we, you know, we mentioned this many times when we talked about it. To me, they could never fix his footwork to where his feet were putting him in a good position to throw the ball. So if you think of a quarterback's throwing motion and you see the hips rotating, the arm is just kind of like the whip coming after. So this whole notion about arm strength and arm slots is to me, it's, you know, yes, would I like him to throw like, okay, I'm going to age myself here, the most beautiful thrower I've ever seen of a I football. I know who you're going with here. I know. Todd Murinovich. Todd Murinovich. Oh, my God. That's your guy. <laughs> hey, he may have stunk as a quarterback <laughs> or whatever, but he was the most technically sound. Yeah. He was the most technically sound, beautiful thrower I've ever seen. So even if you uh, you throw like that, I mean, your mechanics are fine, but if, if your arm slot is off, you look back on guys like Vince Young, who was not a great NFL quarterback, but he was a great college quarterback because he had velocity and accuracy and he could run. You look at Jeff George, you look at that, hell, even Dan Marino. I mean, there's so many guys 
you can count on your hands guys that have perfect mechanics. And I don't even think Peyton Manning had per- perfect mechanics. I think Tom Brady's mechanics were a little better. But anyway, you get my point. Like, like, as, like as far as the mechanics, like you're talking about like like when he was, when Justin Fields was coming out, there was a lot of talk about his some people called a hitch in his motion and in his delivery. So, so from a coaching standpoint, I know you can't really do too much about the release. He, he throws how he throws, but there's been some talk this off season where some people think that, that they're working on his speeding up his release. Can that, is that something that you can work on from a coaching standpoint? Yeah. Yes, you can, because in that aspect, it comes from your ball placement where you're holding the ball. Okay. Like if you're holding it too high, holding it too low, and then how close or or far away from your body will will dictate how big of a you see the loop in the arm yeah yeah but his but his arm you don't want to have your arm do this to come back up to throw the ball yeah. in 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 reality you want to have the ball to where you just pop it back to where you're going to throw it. And, and, for the, and for the guys listening to this podcast, make sure you come back through. If you want to see Dave Scarborough's visuals, he has a great job visualizing this. It's actually on our YouTube channel, Second City Gridiron. Right, but, right. But, but but to your point, I know a lot of a lot of uh, experts, you know, in the process, you know, for for the for the draft Knicks, they mm-hmm. talk about they want a J motion, you know, and, and Justin yeah. Fields kind of his is more of a more I call like, it L, but yeah, you know, it's 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 just about the fluidity of the motion. But like you said, a lot of it's where you start. Your motion from that's how you speed things up and 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 to that point as well last year justin fields fumbled a lot and i think yes. part of that was because of where he held the ball so i think yes. by him holding the ball a little tighter to his body you know being in, in a more uh a more ready place to throw that could cut cut down those fumbles too right when i worked with my kids i call them they want to be cool <laughs> you know they want to have the ball down here Oops. by the belt yeah. loop you know what I mean? They they want to look like they're like they're you know getting ready to do a gunslinging thing on uh, you know at the OK Corral on on one day, but they have their hands really low. And the problem with having your hands low is you run into those because not only one thing that it brings it elongates your throw because you have to bring it back up to your shoulder, which is what I was talking about. But your ball security when your hands are down at your side, you're more susceptible to guys that are rushing the passer, the more power they're coming down with their SWAT, the, the, the most power they'll have is at the bottom of their SWAT. So when you come, when you have the ball up in your solar plexus to under about two or three inches under your chin, you have better ball security because the guys coming rushing the passer cannot chop you as easily. I never heard it explained that way. That makes so much sense from a physics standpoint. If if the ball's lower, right? As, as a guy playing defense, you know you, you're generating your, your SWAT, and, and the SWAT picks up steam and more power as you SWAT down. So the lower it is, the more power that SWAT is. If you hold the ball higher, the SWAT's not getting doesn't have as much physics behind it, mm-hmm. so there's not as much power in the SWAT. I never heard it explained that way. Yeah, and also when we do drills with our guys or when I coach. We would teach that you cover your shoulder to the SWAT and dip dip under the SWAT. So if I feel that SWAT, I'll dip my shoulder, and my shoulder pad will cover the tip of the ball, and and guys can't get to the ball as easily. So there's a lot of little drills you can do, and we call it – I forgot what we called the exact – I call it the step up where I just tell them step up and and guard, guards. You know, just guard. Coaches coaches call drills – 
20 different things for the yeah. same drill. So it's, it's, it's hard for Dude, I, just, I called it the quarterback. I just said, guys, we're going to work on protecting the ball. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, but I'm sure someone has some fancy coaching name for it. I don't. But I just tell them to roll their shoulder into a swat when they feel and you step through the swat because the guy's trying to swat you. He's not tackling you. You can run through the slot and escape front door, back door. Okay. Okay. So along with the, the stuff with the upper body, with the arm motion, you, know, you mm-hmm. talked about how it's mostly the feet, you know, and, and this kind of goes awesome. to the point of there's a lot of talk about making off platform throws. Yes. Pat Mahomes, Zach Wilson, you know, the, the Justin Fields. That's what like the big, the big thing is everyone wants to know if you can throw the ball and, Again, that goes along with: Are you accurate when when you're when you're when you're going left and you're going right? You know, a lot of it is the hip torque you're generating, the direction you're throwing. It's all about you know because you're you're rarely in a perfect perfectly clean pocket with mm-hmm. perfect mechanics. Right. This is the NFL. It doesn't happen that often. You're right. you're you're usually on the move. You're 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 going sidearm three quarters. So that, again, that goes points to your hips and your feet. Yeah. And so this is a good point you bring up. So everyone sits there and I, um, everyone sits there and says off platform throws and your mechanics literally go out the window when you do off, off platform throws It is really very, there's one key thing with, that you do in off platform throws. And I'll explain this to the audience. Cause you know, we've talked about this as a right hand thrower, my hips are open to the right. As if I'm a left-handed thrower, my hips are open to the left when I finish my drop back. So if I'm rolling to the right side, my hips are already open. And I can get velocity, torque, and all the things we talk about as being a good passer. If you look at Patrick Mahomes, you never see him do a no-look pass running left. And I'm going to explain to you why. Is because he can't, he can't torque his body that way and still torque his hips to get around you can't no look rolling left. You can't do it if you're a right-handed quarterback. You just can't. But when he's rolling right, he can have his hips open, and now with the finish of his throwing motion, he can be looking where his hips are open and throwing back across his body. So I, I've discussed this before with Lester. When you – Justin Fields – okay, so the 49er game last year was a perfect example if you want to, anyone wants to go back and watch it. The t- the pass he threw to um, number eighteen to James the touchdown pass yeah, yeah beautiful he's rolling left and you have to be a tremendous athlete to do this he's rolling left and he flips his hips and then he throws like a sidearm off balance looking off balance it was not off balance it was not off balance because he flipped his hips and his footwork was amazing on that and if you go back and look at the torque and everything and the ball placement, that will give you an idea of the importance of your hips. If he was running and he just didn't flip his hips, he, his flips would have been open to the sideline. He never could have made that throw as a right-handed quarterback going left. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, we saw him make a lot of nice, nice plays. I mean, there were a lot of positive. His footwork, is always, his footwork is always lined up with his hips. Justin Fields, being a good athlete and playing quarterback for so long, Whoever has coached him has done a really good job. His hips are always where his where his plant leg and his drive leg are going in the same direction. And we talk about the aim shoulder. You always you you can't throw a ball without your this shoulder, your off shoulder following your throw shoulder. So okay. your off shoulder is kind of where you're aiming. If you're throwing with just your arm, 
first of all, you're not going to last in the NFL very long because you're not going to be able to be accurate or have a lot of velocity just throwing us a, a arm ball. That makes sense. So, all so, the- so, so one more thing about the about the the, the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot made this offseason about how there was a, a photo taken at camp and it showed Justin Fields his footwork when he's under center. And yes. they talked about how it's it's changed. At some point it was staggered, you know, the the right the 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 uh, the, the left was back or the right was back or it's even. I want you to talk a little bit about why does it matter your where your feet are staggered when you're under center? Why does that matter, especially when it comes to the offense the Bears are gonna run this year? Well, this is a great point, and there's two there's two fold reason for it. One, they he I don't know this, so I'm not a Bears coach. I don't know this. But one of them could be that the footwork of of the guard was get interfering, but I don't think so because they don't do a lot of pulling and gap schemes. But they may, I don't know. But the most important reason his feet are staggered is because the the scheme that I heard they're going to run, there I've heard the coaches talk about outside zone. Outside zone, yeah. For a quarterback to get away from center and get out to the meet point with the back or the track point of the back has to be about, you know, over over the outside leg of the tackle, I would say, B-gap, wide B-gap. And you have to be able to get out there. And if your feet are um, even, you're going to have to waste a step to step to open to that. If your feet are staggered, Say if it's going left, you can just pivot on the foot that's already planted and then step with the um, – if it's going to the opposite way of the stagger, you can just step with the stagger, and now you've already gained a step on the running back. And it works out timing, and it works out for all kinds of bootlegs and things like that. If you're going to drop straight back, it's also – we used to do this with guys in the West Coast offense because the first belief was to take that first step you wanted to get as many yards as you could on that first step. If you, we had a kid who could, yeah, if we had a kid who could take that first step back and be at like five yards even, which is rare. But if you could get a guy who could just take, make that one step to get away from the line that quick off of one step, that's what we were really searching for. And and then your three-step drop, you're, out, you're back there and you're, you've got more depth and more obviously more farther away from the line, which makes pass rush a lot harder. Like when but, it comes uh, to the three-step, five-step, seven-step, when it comes to those step drops, like you said, that first step's all about the depth. Yes. Because steps two and three are basically gather steps to get yes. yourself in a position to throw. So especially in, in the quick game, you know, Correct. the first step's got to be deep because step two, step three is basically you're gathering yourself yep. to prepare to throw. And you're, and, then, and, you're, and you're getting – some people teach it with a hitch. I used to just teach it. You just hit that third step and you put your plant leg to the side that you're going to work. Yeah. And and that's how I taught it. But I'm, there's, like you said, a million different ways. But I used to like to get my guy and say, I used to have a drill we would do where we'd have straight line in between their legs and they drop back. And if you were going to work the right side and you tell me right or left, you better have that, that post leg on the side that you're going to be working. Because to me, that naturally sets up your footwork. And it was a good way to teach kids. And this is more for like the, the, the straight drop back stuff. Of course, yeah, when, it's, when it's play action, it t- kind of changes. Everything's different. Oh, well, this is what I'm going to tell you. What like we were just talking about the stretch. So yeah. now when you get that look, and the Bears are going to design boots and stretches off of that. Now you can get that ball out there and kind of really sell it because your footwork looks the exact same on a stretch, on any kind of run play as it would. 
you you know what I'm saying? So another reason they switched his footwork so it looks to the defense it looks the same on which, which is the beauty of a Mike Shanahan, Kyle yep. Shanahan yes. type system, which is a great segue because that's what we're gonna talk about now the evolution of, of the Shanahan offense. And right. I mean, we haven't really heard come out and say, hey, we're running this type of offense, but, but like <laughs> you said, they've they've made a lot of references to to a uh uh the the outside zone scheme. They made a lot of references to that. You know, it's Luke Getze, you know, with Getze, he comes from, you know, th- that system. You know, that's mm. where he's schooled in. And, right. and the, the Mike Shanahan offense, it's like at least half the league, it seems like, is running a variation of it. And it's not all the same thing. I mean, it's his version. There's the Sean McFay version, you know. Yes. But but basically, Mike Shanahan, legendary coach, you know, this is not a West Coast offense. No, it's not. You know, I saw an interview with Kyle Shanahan and someone said it to him and he was pissed. You know, he's like, this is not the my dad's offense is not the West Coast offense. There are some similar principles, mm-hmm. but it's a little different. And and the big part of it is because of the like we talked about the outside zone scheme, a, a lot of the run plays marrying to the play action pass. A lot of play actions passes here. And this all fits into what Justin Fields can do best. Well, it's funny to segue into that to explain it a little more on the West. So anyone in football, and this is we've talked about this too, there's this thing called quick game. Everyone runs the quick game of the West Coast offense. No one else. It, it's been like that forever. So when you say it's not the West Coast offense, the West Coast offense comes back, and it isn't. It's not. I'm trying to explain the difference. The West Coast offense comes back to – now when you're five and seven step drop things, what are those? And that's where I think coach was talking about it not being the West Coast offense because there's things, there's concepts like the flood concept, the over concept. There's different concepts of the five-step game. Everyone in football, no matter what you run, whatever you claim to run, you know, since the late 90s, everyone runs quick game the same. And, that, and that'll get into RPOs, but we'll talk about that another time. But that's what I was going to tell you his his point was that that's not the West Coast offense. This offense is based off of boot action, off of the outside zone, and it's based off of, I believe, and I like I said, I feel uncomfortable saying this because I'm not a Bears coach, but from yeah. what I perceive, what I've seen, I think that they run a vertical stretch um, offense in their drop back game. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of variations of it. Yeah. Sean McVay, Lafleur, uh, the guy in the Bengals, they, they all kind of run a variation of it. Go ahead. I think, they were, I think their drop back, their five and seven step drop back game is vertical stretch. Okay. Because with with Getzy, he's also schooled in the Joe Moorhead. Yes. At Penn State, so that's a kind of like, he has that also as well from his time okay. when he was there, plus the time with with uh, uh, Mike McCarthy with the Packers, but. The last few years has been with Lafleur, which is a, a Sean McVay disciple, and you know, Bears fans have seen this offense for a long time, and we've seen you know several quarterbacks run it. You know, Justin Fields though, with his you know four four speed, that's like an added dimension. I mean, we we've seen this offense take Matt Schaub to three Pro Bowls. Well, you know, I'm- this offense has been successful. It's proven. You know, let's just hope it's going to be what we hope it to be. I'm going to do you one better, uh, Lester. Do you remember when uh, they had this guy named RG3? Oh, yeah. Washington, Washington yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
I know people like to crap on him because he had injuries and this and that. But if Justin Fields can get down, I mean, that's the kind of athletic explosion you're yeah. looking at out of this offense. So RG3, I, didn't he rush for like uh, almost 1,000 yards when he was a rookie or something? I, I know he had a big year. I think he may have been a pro bowler that year too. That was, that yeah. was of course, Mike Shanahan was the head coach there. I think Kyle Shanahan was was the OC there. Mm-hmm. So he was running the, the Shanahan offense, obviously. And that's yeah. that's what's in Chicago now. But, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. The athleticism yeah. that Justin Fields has, you can get maybe that kind of production out of him. And I think that you're going to get more because I think Justin Fields is a superior passer than what RG3 was. So so real quick while we're on the top of the, of the offense. Mm-hmm. So with, with Sean McVay, he obviously has his own coaching tree built off it. Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of differences in the in the, the the strict Shanahan version as opposed to the McVay version that you're aware of? I, I I would say we talked about this, um, I would say formation-wise, because yeah. he runs – I don't know if there's any youth coaches out there or whatever. He runs – Sean McVay, when you look at his um, his formations that he runs, like the Bears, I believe, are going to run what I call strong and weak and what me and Lester used to call blue and, blue and green. Um, Some back, offset eye but, stuff possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to have a, like an offset eye kind of. And I think that's what the Bears are going to run. That's why we got blasting game. But Sean McVay uses his wide receivers and tight ends in a double wing look. And that's because his background is – I mean, I told Lester I was going to throw this in there. Sean McVay was the um, offensive player of the year in high school in Georgia. And he beat out this guy that we all know very well named Calvin Johnson for high school player of the year. And he comes from his base roots when he was in high school. He ran the double wing in high school. So I know that he really likes that formation and he's married a lot of his concepts into that. And you can marry it into that. I don't know. I, I don't think that Sean McVay runs as many counters with like a gap scheme with guys pulling to offset it, where I think the Bears may get into more gap scheme married with their uh, outside and inside zone. Like a lot of those those wham block coming back across, I think that's well, like the two pullers, like like yeah. like you'll, you'll start like one way, like you're going outside zone, and then you'll wrap either the fullback in the guard back around, or it's wing tight end in the guard back around. Yeah. You know when teams start overflowing to to the to the stretch and the boot actions. Yeah, and that's again where 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 those actions come into play is that it's especially with a guy like Justin Fields. Those backside defenders, they got to really be honest now. Yeah, they can't cheat, man. It used to be you if you have a guy, if you had a statue back there, what we call an unmobile quarterback, you could send that backside C-gap player down the line. And if you had your guys be able to, you know, slow down or 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 post up what we call the 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 running the the stretch, you could get the backside guy to run down and make the tackle. And if you've heard coach Flues talk about this, if you have a really good three technique and he could beat that backside double team, he could do it because we, we talked about this when the um, Broncos used to run it, they got into a lot of not hot water, but a lot of people hated playing the Broncos because they would cut that backside gap guys for the yeah. cutback. Yeah. Back in the day, it was always backside cut blocks. Was that coach, uh, <laughs> Coach Alex Gibbs, is he the 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 yeah, line coach back there? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was, yeah. Alex I mean, Gibbs. 
that's when I first started following the outside zone concepts. And that's why I started like, man, this is a, I've always liked the, the style of offense and, you know, yeah, as an old lineman, you know, cutting those backside guys, mm-hmm. I can see why defenders hate it. Yeah. It sucks. You know, and, you know th- there's ways to teach the cut where it's safer, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous in the trenches, man. It is. And you know, what's funny is uh, we talk about this Lester and I know don't kill me bear fans, but me, I always tell Lester my favorite offense in the NFL to watch is Sean McVay's. <laughs> I, like I love watch. If we can do anything close to that, we, we're gonna have a really nice offense. I tell Lester this all the time. When I, I I'll call him on Sunday when I got Sunday tickets on the Bears ain't playing. Lester, are you watching the Rams? Did you see that play they just ran? And it's like, oh my God, it's. It's my favorite word, coach, coach porn, you know? Yeah. Well, like <laughs> with the Rams stuff, they do a lot of stuff with uh, jet sweep motion and, and Dude, jet sweep I stuff. I think they lead they the league in that. I love what they do. And then we saw Nagy the last few years where he would run a lot of jet sweep stuff, but the timing to me always seemed like he was off. Like the, the, and, there was and, never an actual threat to where the, the, the receiver was going to get the ball because by the time they snap it, he was passed. We it's gave, like, gave the jet sweep one out of 10 times. I mean, yeah. And it's like, if you're going to show the look, Show the look, you know, that this is why I'm, I'm excited to see what Getsy does because he got to say he comes from a school of thought where everything is married off the other. This look yeah. has to look like this look because that the black has to match. And I'm just hoping we don't see any more of those random, like, what the hell was that play call? It made no sense because there's nothing in the Bears playbook that works off it. We're, we're going to give them a counter, no deception. even though we never run the counter. Yeah, exactly. So we're gonna hey, pull. We're gonna pull both linemen, even though we never do that on a run play. Oh, this is the worst. Hey, I'm gonna take a quick commercial break for our guys in the podcast side of things. So stick around. And we are back. I am talking with Dave Scarborough, a longtime friend of mine. I've known him since high school. So we're talking high school teammates. I'm not gonna age us, but that's a long time ago. So um, I, I got Coach Dave on because he knows he knows his X and O's, and I wanted to make sure I have a chance to talk a little X and O's with him. I, I talk with Dave all the time so this is not new for new for us but it's new for for the audience that's why i wanted to get him on here and we've been talking a lot about you know the shanahan-esque type offense and we talked about it, a lot of outside zone stuff and as far as the bears running backs go we got montgomery we got herbert we got a few other guys they signed here and it seems like they really want to do that kind of stuff we've heard coach flus talk about it we've heard uh, uh coach getsy talk about it they've they've all talked about the outside zone stuff so from a from a coaching standpoint what does the outside zone principle stuff do? What kind of stress does that put on a defense? Well, what it really does is it gets movement. It gets you flow movement to a, to a side. And what it does is your defensive linemen, after a course of time, we all know this, if you've been running, it basically makes your defensive linemen run like 20 extra yards every play almost. <laughs> You know, because you have to, once the offensive linemen get moving, it's not much stress on the offensive linemen, but the linebackers and defensive linemen have to keep running to contain their gaps with the speed kind of the running back. So if you look at it, it's almost like you do a moving wall. And what the running back's aim point is, this is the rules for the uh, outside zone running back. You run to the sideline unless someone makes, and cut it up, unless someone makes you turn it up sooner. So with the inside zone, if anyone's um, familiar with that, we have this thing where we call we call bounce, bang, bend. So bouncing would be going outside. This is for inside zone. And bend, banging it is like just hitting the, seeing the hole. Hit. Yeah, hit and it. bend is where you bend back. 
Whereas the outside zone stretch, you're not really bending back. You're either banging it, banging it in the in the B gap, or or you'll see it right away. It'll split because somebody hasn't one of the linemen are thirsty and wanted Gatorade and didn't run his gap over, and you'll see it. Or you will just see to the outside. Everyone will get a hat on a hat, and now it's a race between you and the inside linebackers to the sideline, and Usually they don't win those or they're behind because they have to do a play step to to they have to step and respect their gap on the on the snap of the ball. So yeah, that's the reads of the running back. You keep running until someone makes you cut till someone makes you bang it up in there. So we're talking about like the the gaps you're looking aiming for. Now, like yes. when, when they're under center, obviously the B gap is where the B gap is. But as the right. play develops, like you talked right. about, the the O line is all driving the same direction. They're right. moving their guys all the same direction. They're blocking whatever basically crosses their path. Right. And so, so those gaps are still there. They're just right. moving. Right. They're moving with it. So as the tailback, he's looking for the first hole he sees. And if something opens up, that's when you hear a lot of analysts say, hey, he, 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 he stuck his foot in the ground and he went. That's what you want. You want decisiveness of the read. When you see it, you got to take it. Yeah, exactly. In, in the, the outside zone is designed for a speed back you want speed more than anything because like i said eventually it comes down to just a being a if everyone blocks everyone it's a race to the sideline from the inside linebacker with the running back and if your running backs faster than outside uh, inside linebacker it's going to be a long day for your defense if we can get head on a hat and i was telling lester this I, I bear fans get mad at me all the time on twitter because i sit there and i go i don't think Look, David Montgomery is a fantastic back, and he is a good – he's a really good back. He, I, I, I think he's a decent back, but this is not – when you look at – and I base this off, not my opinion, I base this off of what you've seen them draft, what you've seen them sign, and who they've talked about as far as fitting this scheme. I told Lester last year when uh, we drafted the kid Khalil Herbert from uh, Virginia Tech, I told Lester, I go, man, I've never seen, well, not never, but I have not seen this in a long time, how good of an outside zone runner this guy was. He was fantastic running outside zone. And I'm not trying to slam David Montgomery. I'm just saying that, in my opinion, you look at the back that they, like the kid they drafted, he's like 5'11", 200 pounds, runs a 4'4". The guy they got from um, Tennessee, the running back. Darian, whatever his name is. Yeah. He runs a 4'4. Four four. He's 5'10, 200 pounds. So you start to see what what they envision for their style. David, David Montgomery is a great tackle breaker. He's 5'10, five, five, 230 pounds, sturdy back. In my me and Lesnar's opinion, he's more of an inside zone guy, or if you're gonna run a gap scheme, I would think he would fit in with a gap scheme. When I say that, it's a guy pulling where you have pulling offensive linemen. I think that's the best scheme for him. But anyway, I got off on a tangent. I apologize. No, it's all good. No, like with Montgomery, he was drafted for an inside zone scheme. That's what the Bears yep. ran under Nagy. Correct. So, you know, he did work on his speed a lot last offseason. I'm sure he's doing it again this offseason. Yeah, but he's so, not 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> no, he's not 4-4. Four, four. But, like, then let's look at the Packers, for example. The Packers mm-hmm. have two different running backs right now. Mm-hmm. And they're very successful in the run game. And they have a guy more speedy and a guy more powerful. So, that's not to say it can't work right. with David Montgomery and with Herbert. But, you know – like you said, it does seem like the the Bears are pulling in the like you said the guy the, the free agent the guy that just drafted Ebner 
They are looking to go maybe a little more speed. But on that same token, man, they've really talked to Montgomery. They really love his fit. I mean, he, he's such a good for trade back, player. Man. Ah, stop yourself. <laughs> you know. I mean, he, he's a very good football player. We talked about it before, too. Mm-hmm. Part of what a, a veteran running back has to bring to the table is his pass protection. Yes. And last year, David Montgomery was pretty good in that area. So, you know. I'm not sure if there's an extension on the table. That's probably, you know, this is not the the, the, the podcast for that because that's a, that's, a, that's a conversation to have at some point. But we both like Montgomery, the football player. Yes. But we can also say he may not be the greatest fit for the scheme. Right. But the Bears could make it work. And, and what's going to dictate this, too, like you said about the big back up in Green Bay, it's going to be based. Now, every you know this, Lester. I'm not telling you, but we're just talking in general. Every scheme – you need a counter run play. You can't just run outside zone every play. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, every run play. So it's going to be very interesting. And one of the things we can watch for in preseason is to watch if they are running any kind of counter gap scheme or are they running inside zone. And that'll tell you because, like you mentioned, David Montgomery is an inside zone. I, I love him on an inside zone yeah. scheme. So maybe when he's in the game, they're going to have – Inside zone type plays for him. And you can still inside zone and get play action. It's just not the boot action to get out out of the pocket. And Lester brought up a great point that um, his pass blocking, I think, is very underrated. I think he's very good in the pass game. I think he's good in the pass game, too. Although the kid they drafted from Baylor is a dude in the pass game. Well, like, you would talk about the outside zone, okay? Mm -hmm. The aim point for an outside zone runner is where? The, the, Your, the B gap is usually leading to the B gap. Okay, and then the but, the inside zone is more A gap. Yeah, the the inside zone is you're looking front side A gap to back side A gap. So when we talk about the inside zone, when you want to bend it, you want to go to the B gap, possibly an extreme C gap, but you're never looking for the C gap. Just if it leads you there. But the ba- the bang is in the A, the front side A. Yeah. The bend is to the backside A gap. Yeah. So, so, so if, if if the Bears are going to switch outside zone inside zone, mm-hmm. you know it's I mean it's 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 not like they want to have a tell obviously with right. what they're doing here, but f- from the from the defensive standpoint from the when they're looking at the offense, mm-hmm. you know you really can't tell that until it happens, and it's not like Montgomery's going to only be running a certain play. Right. He could he right. could still right. run the outside. Still zone. try to run outside zone. He, he can do I both. Mean, I mean, the only thing you're missing, I mean, four six is not slow. I mean, we we as fat old bear fans, we're all like, oh, you're on the runs of four six, dude. Four six, you know this, Lester. If you go watch the combine and you put guys t- together, the difference between four six and four four is a half a step, <laughs> if that a step maybe. But like, this is why I'm trying to say it's not that not that big of a deal when you're talking about. 40 times you're talking about long speed and yeah. being able to be a breakaway type of runner and hell you've seen David Montgomery run 80 yard touchdowns. And yeah. I mean, you've seen slow guys, slower guys than him run uh 80 yard touchdowns. So basically it comes down to vision and it, it'll be interesting to see if David Montgomery has great vision because I think we talk about this too, Luster all the time. The, I think vision is the most important thing in any kind of zone scheme. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not like a lead a lead stuff where you're basically following your fullback to the play. Right. The, the vision is is you know because that hole could be anywhere, right? And, and yeah. it's all about when you see it, 
stick that foot in the ground, get your ass up field, and, and, and get as many yards as you can. And that, that's what Montgomery's good at. Yes. Right, and so he's a tackle breaker, too. So on the second level, just because you got him in the second level don't mean you're going to stop him in the second level. All right. That takes to our next thing. I want to talk about how the quarterbacks, some of the reads he makes off those plaques. We talk about the outside zone scheme, why it's important. And, you know, we've seen the, the numbers. Justin Fields last year in play action, his numbers were so much better than the other stuff he did. You know, Justin Fields last year thrived in play action, and he thrived when he was going downfield. Two things that he didn't do a lot of last year. But right. he's good at those things. And I think both those things kind of marry well with what, again, what they're going to do with the outside zone. So talk a little bit about how those outside zone boots off of it, what mm. he's looking as a quarterback now. What, what are some of the plays he's looking to do? So, so for – Real quick, I think I read somewhere that he was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL, I want to say, off of play-action passing last year. I'm not sure the numbers, but I know he's up. I'm not sure if he was top, but yeah, I, but his he, numbers were like – when I saw the numbers, I'm like, why the hell are, are they not running more right, play-action? Exactly. Like, it makes you wonder, like, are, who's self-scouting because we should be doing that more. Yeah. But anyway, so the basic boot – so a basic boot off of the the action, and I don't want to get all in the weeds of schematics anyway. You have a front side and a back side, strong side. Usually the strong side of the formation, the tight end is there, and either a fullback or tight end or you tight end, whatever you want to call it, maybe even a wide receiver in some some personnel groupings. But when you boot that, you want to get your head back around and you have – what we call levels concepts on the boots. So you want to have a, a shallow, a medium, and a deep shot. And uh, sometimes it's on the same side, but you want to have levels crossing into the quarterback's field of vision. So if we boot, say we uh, try to run stretch right, stre- uh, a stretch outside zone to the right, you're going to have the tight end come back flat and be in the flat on the side when Justin turns his head He'll have that'll probably be his first read. Then you'll have an over route, which will probably be the wide receiver if it's a wide receiver, wing tight end if it's a wing tight end, whoever the number two receiver from the backside is going to come back and he's going to run the mid level route. And then you'll have the the backside receiver away from the boot will be running either a deep deep over or a post route. And on the front side, you're going to have the front side receiver either. Go down what we call stick it sticks at the stick and um, stick at the at the at the first down marker, or you're gonna have them do a comeback, or you're gonna have them take the top off, which I see Velas Jones being good, really good at, but yeah. I'm just saying. But you're so the quarterback's gonna come around, he's gonna peak that that whatever route it is to the outside receiver coming to the side he's booting to, then he's gonna go to his check down levels and see. Well, just where the hole is in the defense. You're not really reading coverage. It's all but, about who, who, who pops open off the play action. And that's why we talk about how those backside defenders are key. So as, as a coach you know, up in the booth, when you're watching this, right. you know, you're know you waiting to see how those backside defenders are treating your run action. And Lester, the the, the linebackers. Remember what I told you about yeah. the, the, the zone? The linebackers have to bail to get to that 4-4 guy to the sideline. So yeah. – some of them cheat and don't take their read steps. If you catch guys doing that, now those mid-level and deep over routes are are tough. So if your linebackers are flowing with the run action, right, and your and 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 your tight end, who you know some Bears fans think is really slow and and you know 
and Cole Komet. If if the linebackers are flowing and Cole Komet is coming across, yeah, yeah, that's true. So so a guy like Cole Komet, in theory, should be able to eat a little bit in this offense. Uh, oh, dude, I, it's, place. that's why they. I don't know if you've seen this article. I don't know where I read it. They were talking about blasting game being more active in this offense. It's because what they're going to do is they're going to run this thing called slide. Also, when you have a fullback and he's going to slide and then the, the tight end will have the mid-level route, you know, Cole, Cole commit. Cause he's so slow. He only runs a four, six or a high four, six, but you know, whatever. But uh, to be fair, you are a Notre Dame guy. So I know that's your guy. Okay. 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 <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. But I love Cole Komet. <laughs> anyway. That brings us up to the fullback. That's actually the last thing I want to talk about. And you talked that article, I think it was Adam Johns in The Athletic. You mm-hmm. know, I think it was the, the Bears running back coach had a quote where he talked about Kerry blasting game as the fullback. He's not a traditional, you know, just blocking guy. Just blocking guy. This like, guy's a good athlete. Yes, very good athlete. And I'm going to tell you, the Bear fans know that because he almost took a screen to the house against us. Yeah. But, but he, but on this thing where you have the slide, you'll have like the strong guy, and you'll fake the boot. He'll take the step. He'll take a step, like he's gonna drop, uh, do outside zone. He'll come back under the line, and he'll be the, the checkdown guy. Nine, ten times he's he's gonna be wide open in the flat. You'll see this around the goal line, but usually he's wide open because the linebackers have dropped back because they realize it's a boot. If they do. Now this is where he comes into play because he can run. He he'll, he'll he'll be wide open, and the guy's a good athlete, like Lester said. So if your linebackers play loose, we dump down to the Corey Blasting game. If your linebackers come up tight or bite, now we have the mid level and we have the uh, deep crosser coming. I mean, it, it's it really the beauty of this offense and why me and Lester love it very much. To tell you the truth, is because it really stresses the defense without being overly complicated. So the the fullback in this offense, so to speak. I know as Bears fans, we watched what happened with Nagy. It was it was Trey Burton. It was uh, <laughs> Jesper Horstead. You know, they seemed uh, uh, Jimmy Graham. They wanted that athletic move tight end. Some people call it a joker. Uh, in the Bears scheme, they called it the U. Um, the, in this scheme, the fullback is essentially the U. Does the, the what the U tight end did, and what we saw as Bears fans in, in Matt Nagy's scheme. So a lot of the same stuff they 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 did with him. They can move him around and, and the wing and play action. He kind of, you know, he's the guy that, like you said, sneaks back across and, and he's open underneath. So I'm going to tell you, just like if you watched, we talk about the Shanahan effect. If you've walked, if you watched a lot of uh, 49er games, they have this guy named a lot of casual fans may not know this. There are still fullbacks in the NFL, <clears throat> but it's a guy named Kyle Jusek, yeah. Jusek, who who's a very good tight end. And if you watch him, he gets a lot of gadget plays in that offense. And what I mean by slip screens, he gets a lot of little funky like carries, like inside zone, cross the inside zone carry. He's a very tough player. They love to screen him. He's always like the check down guy. They've designed like wheel routes where they've gotten him on isolated on a slow linebacker because they didn't know he could do that. But if you want to go and watch on your all 22 NFL, whatever, Go watch what the 49ers do with that guy, and you'll get a, uh, a a taste of what the Bears probably will do with an athletic fullback. And I think that I'm really excited because 
Luke Getze keeps saying that he's not running that system. He's going to steal from a lot of other yeah. different. I'm really, really excited to see what they do. Well, they've talked about it since since the new staff came in. They're going to build the offense around Justin Fields. They're going right. to build around his strengths, mm-hmm. you know, and the stuff he wants to do. But but on the same with the same thing though, it's <clears throat> this style of offense that you know they're going to bring it in. It fits exactly mm-hmm. what Justin Fields wants to do. Like we talk about the play action stuff. I can't wait to see play action passes more often. Oh, you know, dude, it's got and, and we have a guy who his best trait. His best trait is deep ball accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, now I, I met he's again. He's one of the top guys as far as that goes. And now he, the Bears have Mooney with great speed, Bellis Jones, great speed, Equinemius St. Brown, who I, I four, believe four. he'll be the starting X for this team, which is fine. You know, four. yeah, I mean he's he's a legit speed guy. They have uh, several guys that can stretch the defense, that can get downfield. That well, again, it's not hey. the most sexy names. For the Bears receiving core, but Justin Fields said it today in an interview. He, he it's he, they, they like what they got there. They they believe in who they have in there, and we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I, I'm not down on the receiving core the Bears have. So Lester, you're like you like little tidbits like this. So Equinemius St. Brown's father, another is, Notre Dame guy, just to be that that's your team, just to yeah, exactly. But Equinemius St. Brown's father is John. St. Brown, yeah. who was Mr. Who was Mr. Olympia, a few times. Yeah. So he also has his brother who plays on the Detroit Lions. Lions, yeah. I'm on St. St. Brown, yeah. Yeah. Good teams. Anyway, just, he never had a you know in yeah. Green Bay he never had a great chance to to succeed. Yeah. Obviously for for obvious reasons. And then with with that quarterback over there, he seems to some guys getting his dog house. He doesn't want to go that direction. So I I, right. I think I think a guy like St. Brown in the Bear scheme, thirty. Targets maybe. I mean, he's not going to be the top top guy, but right. as your starting X, you know, he's going to be behind your Z. He'll right. have targets behind your slot, which is probably Byron Pringle. He'll have targets behind probably the tight end in the back. So he's he's there to help stretch the defense. I'm telling you, I think I I may be in the minority on this, but for Vellis Jones to be the first receiver they took, I think they have some serious. I mean, I hate saying this because when you say when you compare a player to someone that people are like, oh, he said he's he's this guy. No, I'm not saying he's this guy, but I'm saying he can do some of the things that the kid from uh, the 49ers can. Um, um, what's his name? Debo Sam. I mean, the, the Bears have talked about it that he has those has Dude, some of those same traits. That, Lester, have we talked about this? On, no, we haven't talked about this on here. Debo Samuel led the NCAA in broken tackles, like, like run after catch. Yeah. And broken and uh, in yards of separation in the pass game. These are things that should not be taken lightly. He played in the hardest conference in the, in the country in the SEC. You're talking Bellis Jones. Yeah. Bellis Jones. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, he, he, he's a good runner after the catch. He's good with the ball yeah. in his hand. The bears have a plan for him. I mean, I'm not sure how much they're going to throw at him off the bat, but very but high. The Bears have already talked about, you know, they want him involved. So he's their third round draft pick. I'm not expecting him to be, you know, a world beater as as a rookie, but he has a third he'll round be in the mix. But he's not a young player either. He's played yeah. a lot of football. Yeah, a lot of football. I mean, that's he, that's some he's knock played, on him. But. Yeah, but I, I know it's a knock, but I'm telling you, it's not a knock for me. No. He's a mature, he's yeah. gonna come in and work his butt off. He's not 20 years old thinking he's the 
greatest thing since slice of bread because he's 20 and he, he was playing high school football three years ago. This guy has had to work his butt off to get where he's at. And I, I will take work ethic and being hungry over overhyped stardom any day. Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm optimistic with this Bears. I'm not, I'm not expecting a, a, a playoff team. I'm not expecting, you know, the offense to be, you know, a, a, a big time, you know, t- top 10 unit, but I'm expecting strides. I'm expecting Justin Fields to kind of show the Bears fans and, and show the NFL what he is. And a lot of national guys are down on the team. And I'm just, you know, I, I know it's hard from a perspective of I'm, I, I, I write about the Bears, cover the Bears, but I, I just don't see it being as bad as doom and gloom. What was the clown organization who said they're the 32nd team? I, that, was, I, that was one of the ESPN mathematical models had them popping out as the worst uh, team in the league. And it's like, I, okay, you need to throw that mathematical model <laughs> into, the, into the trash. Yeah. That That's such BS because I'm going to tell you right now, even, even with, and Lester knows this, I'm not getting out over my skis. When the schedule came out, I texted Lester. I told him, I'm like, I'm like, Bears are going to win seven to nine games. And everybody's like, oh, they're going to win. No, dude, the Bears are going to win probably seven to nine games, and however they're trending is going to be how many they – so say say we jump out and we win 10, 11 games. Now it's like, whoa, where did this come from? If they win like eight games, people are going to be like, wow, the Bears had a great season. You you understand? So I like the expectations being low, but I'm going to tell you this is a 50-50 league, and very little separates you from being a bottom feeder and a top feeder. Three years ago, four years ago, the Cincinnati Bengals had the number one pick in the draft, and they just played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's so, possible. Yeah. So my my point to Bear fans is, be vigilant. Don't listen to half of these national pundits. All they do is they go in there and they read like who the guy on Twitter. Oh, I think the Bears are going to be terrible because they didn't draft my favorite receiver <laughs> at number three. You know, whatever. You know, we we won't know. None of us will know anything until we see what they're going to do. Uh, it's fun. It should be a fun season. I'm excited. But, uh, hey, I want to thank you for jumping on. This is awesome. Anytime. You know I love you. You're, you're, you're one of my oldest friends, and you're a great, great person, man, great human being, and I appreciate the opportunity. So make sure you guys all follow uh, Dave on Twitter, at Papa Scarbs. You know, give me a follow on Twitter as well at WilfongJR. And Dave, you're actually doing some stuff on, on a Facebook page. You're, you're one of their uh, site experts at the Bear Tracks Facebook page. It's a private <laughs> yeah, group, but but you're on, on there all the time there. Every weekend you're doing something. Yeah, right? every week we do a little football breakdown. 101 type of thing. Yeah, X, yeah, we do some X and O's and, and he just uh, we get basic questions. If you're in the chat and you ask a question, I'll I'll answer it for you or try to answer it. And, you know, we chop it up over there. All right, man. And that is it. Until next time. All right. Bear down, my friends. Bear down, baby. Woo, woo. Nice. (laughs) Later.